Welcome to Champions Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Nolan Edwards. To learn more about Champions Church, visit GodsChampions.com. I want to take you quickly on a journey. We're going to receive communion in just a little bit. And I want to take you quickly on a journey, and I want to talk to you about the authority and the believer. This is going to be an ongoing conversation. But I want you to understand something that uh, the authority that you have. Turn to somebody and say, you've got authority from God. Let me take you on a quick journey. Let me take you on a quick journey and give you a little bit of a, if you will, a synopsis, a history lesson about authority. I want to quickly summarize some things. In the beginning, God, of course, had all authority. Say with me, God had all authority. All power and authority has to emanate from God because he is the only one who has power himself. Everything is delegated by God to man. When he created the heavens and the earth, he had all power and authority. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, let them have dominion over the, over the earth. Let them have dominion over the earth. Put that together with Psalm 115, verse 16, which says, the heaven... The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. God had ownership of everything by right of being the creator. But he gave dominion, or authority, over the earth to physical human beings. Say, that's me. That's us. Now, Satan... Satan has never had the right and power to rule over the earth. He took it through deceiving man to sin. God gave the power to mankind. And, with, and when man fell, he yielded his God-given authority and power over to the devil. Everybody with me so far? Now, Satan was never given the power by God to oppress man or to rule the earth. Scripture does say that Satan is the god of this world, but it's not because God made him the god of this world. God never put Satan in a position above mankind. He gave mankind dominion and authority over this earth. The only reason, say with me, the only reason. The only reason Satan has ever been able to oppress, dominate, or cause the problems he does is because people yield their God-given authority to him. This This posed a real problem by God because he's a spirit. And he gave authority over this earth to physical human beings. Only people who have physical bodies have the authority and power to rule, the, to, to rule and exercise influence in the earth. Satan has come. Satan has to come to us and get us to yield our authority to him. That's the reason that he likes to inhabit a body. In Scripture, demons have to have a body to possess because Satan can't do anything unless he's using a physical human body to work through. Because God is a spirit and has given authority to physical human beings, now in a sense, he has, his hands are tied. It isn't because God doesn't have power and God doesn't have all authority, but because of his integrity. Say with me, integrity. He gave authority to physical human beings, and to be true to his word, 
He can't just take it back and say, this isn't the way, I, I, I changed my mind, this isn't the way I want to do it, time out, stop, stop, we're, we're going to start over. No, God bound himself by his word. And throughout history, he looked for someone he could flow through, somebody I can flow through. Uh, the, but the problem was that all men were corrupted and had yielded themselves to Satan. So what was he to do? What was he to do? Glad you're not God. What God finally did was come to our earth himself and become a man. Anybody tracking with me? You hear me? What God did, he, he found a solution. And the Bible actually says before the beginning of time, he knew what the solution would be. This is, a, this is fantastic, though, if you understand this. When God, finally, God was to come to earth himself and become a man, and this is a really big deal, and it's bigger than maybe sometimes you actually realize, because now the devil was in big trouble. He had been using mankind's power, and God couldn't intervene directly to solve all of these problems because man was willfully, legally yielding his God-given authority to Satan. Satan was wrong in what he did, but he doesn't care about being wrong in what he did. But man gave him the authority and the power that was theirs to give. But now, here comes God. Here came God, and he was no longer only the spirit, but was in the form of physical flesh. And this put the devil in a bad situation. Say, put devil in a bad situation. We like that. Because God not only had authority in heaven by becoming, but becoming a man, he gave him authority on the earth. Heaven, earth. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 26 and 27, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have the life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. He was referring to his physical body. Jesus came and exercised God-given authority. The devil tempted him, and Jesus never yielded to him. Satan lost in every battle with him. Do you remember the stories? And then Jesus took our sins. He died for them, went to hell, rose again, and said in Matthew 28, 18, All, say with me, all authority. All authority is given unto me in heaven and on the earth. He won back authority. God had given mankind. He won it back. Which man misused? And as God in the flesh, Jesus now had all the authority in heaven and in earth. In the very next verse he says, are you guys still tracking with me? Good. In the very next verse he said, now you go. All authority has been given to me. Now you go. Now you go. Turn to somebody and say, now you go. It's not a car, it's you go. You. <laughs> Some of you younger ones don't know what a you go is. You know, they always said on a you go, for people that were of that generation, you know why there's a, the heater strips on the back of the car? It's so you can keep your hands warm while you're pushing it. It's fun. Yeah, it just had to be there. It's just, you always saw someone pushing one of those cars. 
Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, now you go and you do these things. In effect, he was saying, now I have all authority in heaven and the earth and I'm sharing it with you. But there's a difference. Here's the difference. There's a unique difference in the authority God has given back to us as believers. Back to us as believers. It's joint authority between us and Christ. It's no longer given just solely to Adam and Eve. And when it was solely to Adam and Eve, it was able to be taken away and they could give the authority away, allow the devil to oppress them, basically be hopeless. But today, our authority is shared with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like having a joint bank account, if you will. And we're now joint bank accounts and it takes two signatures to cash a check. Our authority is shared with the Lord Jesus and His authority is shared with the church. And although we may fall, although we may fail, God is never again going to sign this authority over to the devil. Satan is absolutely powerless. He has no ability to do anything in your life except what he receives, deceives you in and what you voluntarily yield to. Voluntary yield to. You may give him authority in your life. You may suffer personally for it. But the God-given authority that was given to man was never again passed solely to the devil. It is now shared between us and, and the Lord Jesus and He will remain faithful regardless. Can you say amen? You need to recognize that you're the one who now has authority and power. You have authority and power. You have authority and power. Satan is fighting you with thoughts. And your weapons are such that you can take these thoughts captive. You can recognize that it's wrong for the devil to oppress you physically and find out what the Scripture has to say about it, about healing. And John 8.32 says, And he, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You're the one who has the power and authority. God has given it to you. And the only thing that keeps you from exercising it is that you haven't yet taken your thoughts captive. You haven't used these spiritual weapons to renew your, your, your mind and to realize that what you have, it's something, it's encouraging to find out. It's really encouraging to find out that the blood-bought church, and we are the blood-bought church, are the ones with authority. You are the ones with authority. You are the ones with power. You're destined to win. It's also called you're more than overcomers in Christ. What a wonderful thought and truth that it's no longer I who lives, as Paul said, it's Christ who lives in me. We have joint account. Here's the thing, and I want to stress this at the beginning of talking about authority. Over the next few weeks, I'll be sharing with it about it and in between a couple of guests. And let me tell you this, you're a son 
And in the Bible, a son, daughters, you get to be included in that because it's equal opportunity because the Bible says I'm a bride. <laughs> so uh, I'm not, a, I'm usually you say a bride's a female, right? Well, you do say that. So I'm not a bride and, and you ladies are female, but yet you're considered sons, family. So we need to look like our father. We need to talk like our father. We need to do what our Father does. We need to declare like our Father. We need to be like our Father. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us. What I'm talking about here is you're in, we're in relationship. In a relationship that has meaning. A relationship when you're in relationship with the Father, when you're close to Him, you actually walk with a deeper, greater anointing and with greater authority. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. You guys said that scripture? Great. But God still loved us. Let's read it together. One, two, three. But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy, even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by His wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with Him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. That's where you go, Close your mind. We are seated. We were seated. When you come to Jesus Christ, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you are seated in position of authority in heavenly places. So you're not speaking from, at this point, you're not begging God. You're actually in a position where you're standing next to God in His Word, in relationship, and you're speaking to the earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Anybody tracking with me? It's a right positioning of your heart and your mind. It's part of the renewing of your mind that you're not begging from heaven. You're speaking and declaring to the earth. Let me say it differently. You're not on the earth saying, oh God, please. You're up in position in heaven declaring to the earth. We are made for the praise of His glory. Praise is either spoken or it involves, if you know I've spoken about praise you haven't praised yet if you haven't engaged your heart to sing or if you haven't engaged your, your body to move or to clap or to shout. That's praise. And God inhabits that praise. But the Bible says He inhabits that praise. See, the praises of His people. Let me go on to worship. Worship is deep devotion. It's meditation and awe. Worship is, med- is, is deep devotion. It's meditation. It's awe of God. And it can involve a slow song, but it's way beyond a slow song. It's a life lived for the King. Worship. When you worship, 
you worship when you leave this place in what you say, what you do, what you don't do. Worship is a life lived for the King. 24-7. If the only thing about our worship is a slow song, then we've missed the point. John chapter 4, verse 22 through 24, it says this, but the time has come, and this is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. Okay, the woman at the well who had a fresh encounter with Jesus, and she goes, you people worship here and we worship there. And he goes, well, there's coming a time, and he says where he says, the time is coming, it has in fact come, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Let me say that again. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the spirit in the pursuit in tr- of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. Now I read that out of the message just to let you hear something in a different angle. But it's the same truth. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. How many glad for that day that happened to you? You see, He brought us out of darkness into His wonderful light. God inhabits, let's put this together, God inhabits the praises of people. Who are His people? Those who walk in the light. Those who are royal. They're holy and special. So here's the conclusion. Your praise will resound in the heavens as the worship of your life reflects the Lord. Your praise carries authority. Your life carries authority when the worship of your life reflects the Lord. A holy one, a set-apart one, a wholehearted follower of Christ, a child of God. Praises will literally reverberate. God will take the praises of His people. He inhabits them. His people. His holy ones. He does warfare with that type of praise. Remember Paul and Silas? In their captivity, they begin to praise him in the midst of their perplexity and they gain their freedom from their chains. They were his holy ones. His set-apart ones. Is all in awe of Him ones. The beginning of wisdom is to worship the Lord and to fear Him. Literally means to be in awe of Him. Wonder of Him. Amazed by Him. Obedient to Him. Faithful to Him. 
authority. You hear me? That's authority. So when you pray, things move. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. The lame will walk. Authority. You see, it's not just about what you don't do. It's where you go. You can say it this way. Your life of worship is your authority and praise is your weapon. I'm glad you're thinking about this because God is calling his holy one. God is calling for the fear of the Lord to return to the church. God is calling for his ones that worship him as we have this morning beautifully, mostly together, without much interruption. You know what happens, though, when... You see, the corporate anointing, you know how the corporate anointing arises in praise and worship? When everyone who shows up is wholeheartedly his. Sold out. Without question. Oh, man. I mean, we're just, t- we're just touching the tip of the iceberg in praise and worship. Just the tip. Just the tip. Oh, it's good. Oh, but there's more. There's more. You know, the enemy is after something. If you haven't figured this out by how I started this and where we are right now, the enemy is after something. Who's your enemy? The one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? That Satan guy. That guy. Yeah, he's after something. The enemy's after something. Do you, you know there's somebody watching you from dark side pretty much all the time? What you do, where you go, what you say. Should you be afraid? No. Not at all. It gives you, but there is somebody on watch. The enemy's after something. He's after your holiness. Because set apart, holy life causes you to grow in authority. Authority. See, first you'll have authority in the human realm because you're a holy one. You'll also have authority with hell. The demon said to Jesus, we know who you are. You're the holy one of God before he did anything. And Jesus had the authority to cast them out because of his holiness. Connection with the Father. But it doesn't stop there. You also have authority in heaven. As your life of worship is is like Christ, your praise becomes literally a weapon in the hands of God and you become actually sensitive to hearing his voice. 
You become. You and I will become, and we do become like the one we worship. And you are worshiping someone all the time. This is why we have passages like Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's a heart condition that overflows and our mouths speak and our ears and our minds meditate and our lives flow and you are the sum total of your thoughts. From out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Authority. Many people question why much of the Western church is powerless. I would say we're more authority-less than powerless. We have power, but yet it's not accessed from a lack of a life that's lived holy before God, so therefore we walk in less authority to access the power that's in our account. Is anybody hearing this word this morning? Because we're going to do business before God before we take communion today, and I want you to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Quit messing around. Walk in the authority. Walk in holiness. Walk in oneness with Him. Walk in purity. It's not just what you don't do. It's the pursuit of Him. It's the pursuit of Him. You know, the part of resisting the devil and he must flee, it's you're saying first yes to God. And then you say, anything you have to offer, I resist that in the name of Jesus. Because I've already said yes to God. And he must flee. Matter of fact, he doesn't come knocking on doors as often who are praising, worshiping, doing what's right, doing what's honorable, living a life of holiness, who resist him every time he shows up with the word and prayer and praise. He hates that. The only time he comes knocking on your door is because you open the door for him to come in. And so you've got his attention. And so he says, yeah, someone we can devour. Someone we can oppress. Someone we can depress. So what's the purpose? You never accomplish what God made you for. It's the purpose. Oh, you may get to heaven. Barely. And live this life in torment and not activated and not in authority that's been provided. Generally speaking, the church has forgotten about being transformed into his likeness. 
Five or ten years after a revival, we sit back and wonder why we're not any different. And some of us aren't even as close to God as we were before the revival, let alone after the revival. Again, power doesn't change us. But authority always will because it involves God's heart. You can have a powerful touch of God from someone that's prayed up. He's a, he's a child. He's a powerful man or a powerful woman of God. You come to the altar, you get touched, and you get whacked, and you're on the floor. And you're, oh, God, you're so good. But then you get up and you live the same life. You get up and live the same life. Hang out with the same friends that are pulling you down. You're not affecting them, they're affecting you. Going places you shouldn't go. You're not going there for, to meet God and to release the kingdom. You're going there to try out the world and see how cool that is. And therefore, you, have, you live a life that's mixed message. I think they're a Christian. Maybe not. I think they are today. I don't know about today. I, So it's time we, we send a clear message to the world, to God, to the enemy. I'm his. I'm his. I'm not for sale. I shall not be moved from this opinion and this resolve. I'm his and his alone. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I'm just passing through this world. My place is in heaven. That's where I actually live. I have a seat there. I'm positioned there. I'm not giving up my position to grovel around on this earth and then become a beggar and not a declarer. Is anybody hearing this message this morning? authority. In the coming months and in this year, I'm going to speak a prophetic word to you. I believe the church as a whole is going to be reintroduced to the Father, is being reintroduced to the Father, and a hunger for authority is going to ensue. With that hunger for authority, we will see some spiritual encounters that we haven't seen in 20, 30, and 40 years. Signs and wonders occurring in the place where God's power and hunger for authority collide. If we want to have the kind of authority that disrupts the enemy, we have to have deep relationship with our Father. He's calling. Deep's calling unto deep. It's not calling unto shadow, shallow. It's calling unto deep. If you're living a shallow life, change it. Go after him. Let me give you a couple things. Let me give you a couple things as I close this message and we go to communion. I've said it before, we become like the one we worship the more we seek God, the deeper and richer and more noticeable His name becomes in our lives. We begin to grow out of a cerebral following of Him into a spiritual flowing with Him. 
which Jesus talks about in John 4, the Father seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, and he does not desire to be known from a distance. Draw near to God, church, and he says, I will draw near to you. Oh, if you're away from God today, this is your time to hit the repentance and say, I'm sorry for living double life. I'm sorry for... Not living the life that Christ you paid for. Authority. Here's what's going to happen. Each of us has the ability and the opportunity to become one with the Lord. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6.17... He who is joined to you is one spirit with him. You have that. That is you, you and me. The deeper his name is inscribed upon us, the more sensitive we are to the fire of his presence and the gentle whispers of his spirit. The more sensitive we are to his beckoning, his direction. I, don't, I, I do not ever want to take him for granted. Do you or the move of his spirit? I never want to become so callous to him because callousness leads to death. Hebrews 6, 4-6. It does not remove us from his love, we, but we lose our ability to feel the conviction of his spirit. We relinquish our desire for him. How do we keep ourselves from growing calloused towards God? Remaining sensitive. Here it is. We know the Lord and His ways. I know the Lord. And I know His ways. So if I know the Lord, His word, I know His ways, I also know what aren't His ways. And I stay on His ways. There's something about close relationships you just... And especially with the Father, you don't want to do anything to offend them. It's interesting, though, that literally sin and the lack of faith is actually warring against God. It's actually warring against your partner. It's warring against His kingdom. So we know the Lord in His ways. We pray and consistently spend time in His Word. Sensitivity. Authority. We live repentant lives. That means we don't go full bore into something that we absolutely, positively know that is not of God. We live repentant lives. Repentance is saying, God, not only am I sorry, but I'm going your direction. I turn my back to sin, and I'm turning fully to you. We spend time around other people who love God and are strong in heart. There's some people in this room, possibly, possibly some in this room, your biggest hang-up is the people that you hang out with that are constantly 
pulling you their direction, and it's not a God direction. Some of you for a season need to grant, put people around you that are mighty, that are powerful, that are, are full of the Word. They're full of anointing. They're full of authority. They walk in it. Put people around like that that are going to pull you up and not push you down. So there you have it. Choice. It's pretty obvious. And the question is, which do you choose? Authority. God's way. To me, there is no... This is the choice. There's an amazing life of every morning declaring, wow, God, you are good. Wow, great is your faithfulness. Thank you for your mercy. You know, his mercy is not always in what you see him doing. It's in the things that he's protected you from. He looks to and throw through the earth and he looks at seas and finds those whose heart are solely after him and he goes, I bless them. Here's the choice. God's way. The only thing you say about this is it's just I could use a, it's a dung. God's way. Power. Authority. You're seated in heavenly places. Act like it. Can you say amen? Let's stand together. Let's stand. I'm going to ask if our, Michael, if you go and, and Shirley, if you would just take those, in, those covers off of that. I just want you to do business for a moment. Just bow your heads, if you will. And we all are at a different place. We're on a different journey. But if our, if our heart is, is actually uh, honest, we know the difference of, of living a life that is, is constantly uh, with him, for him, uh, I, I have no, no desire to follow the world's ideals or, or to be in touch with what the world has to offer. I don't really care about man's opinion. Or you might be here and you do and you want to be freed from that. If you're here and you, before you receive communion, if you're holding unforgiveness, let it go and let God. That's not an option. Whatever it is, and the Spirit of God is working on your heart right now, repent over it. Don't hold on. There's a powerful life awaiting those who are sold out, separate. It's an amazing journey. It's not just what you don't do, it's where you go. It's who you become. You actually walk in your identity as a son. You walk in the identity as a son. So, Father, 
today in this place, we examine our heart. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to examine us. Soften us again in your spirit. We repent of our sin. We repent of of lackadaisicalness or treating the things of God as if they're an option and not a command. Where we see your word and we literally say, well, that's an option. And it's not a command. Forgive us for living a life half-hearted. Forgive us for living a life that I've held anything back from You. When You gave Your all for me. You seated me in heavenly places. Help us to walk in Your perfection, Lord. You said, be holy as I am holy. It's not an option, it's a command. So as David said, see if there be any wicked way in me. If there's anything that offends you, anything that you want me to get rid of, I will not say no. I will not put it off. I lay it at your altar today. And I say, Lord, I want to be a living sacrifice. I want to be someone you can count on when you speak. I want to answer the call you have upon my life. God is releasing a call. I hear that right now. God is releasing, He's released to you a call to ministry, a call to abandonment, abandoning the old life, abandonment of sin. Some of you, a vocational call to ministry is on your doorstep. And the Lord is saying, yes, I have called you. You've doubted it, but do not doubt any longer. This is something... uh, this is uh, something I put in front of you to walk in. And, and, and different things and opinions and other things or doubts or your history or your past. But God is saying, no, I am, I am releasing to you. I have put a call upon your life. And for some of you who are, have that question this morning, hear the Lord, word of the Lord. The Lord is saying, it's, I, I place that call on you. I put that mantle on your life. Step into it. Some of you, when you take a step today towards the altar to communion, receive that mantle upon your life. Some of you are called to the business realm. To, that's a ministry as well. Not full-time ministry as far as vocational pastor or, or evangelist. Or, but you're full-time. Every one of us is a minister. And you're full-time. We're all full-time. Full-time into the ministry is full-time. Wherever you go, you're a minister. Call to the business room. Call to the school. Call to wherever you are. You're called to the ministry. let the Holy Spirit do that work in you right now be obedient you might need to make an altar before you come and receive communion
You might need to be make an altar right where you're at. I want to look around this room with every head bowed, eye closed. I just want to ask the question, if you're here and you're away from God, if you're here and away from God and you want to come back to Jesus or you want to know him as your personal Savior, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. See that hand. See that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else you want to join these? Appreciate your honesty. See those hands. It's awesome. There's many. Let's do business right now with God. Let's say it together. Everyone in this room, dear Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry for the life I've lived. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Wash me in your blood. I'm sorry. From this day forward, I will follow you. I will serve you. I believe that you died and you rose again and that you're seated at the right hand of the Father. Today, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Champions Church Sermon of the Week. Be sure to subscribe for more content each week. If you'd like to learn how you can partner with us, visit godschampions.com.